Welcome to Parsha Partners, the podcast that aims to put the pupil and the pill pool back in the study of the weekly Torah portion. My name is Aviv Matskin, and I am extremely fortunate to be a teacher here at a Jewish day school in the heart of Silicon Valley. Fortunate because I get to come to work every day to learn from a group of young, brilliant Torah scholars who read biblical text with fresh eyes and sensitivities. After years of training and then learning from these creative readers, I decided it's just a shanda not to share their beautiful teachings with the wider audience. So I'm inviting you to come with us on a brief journey through a small section of this week's Pasha. Partner with us, a group of young students and an old teacher, as we try to uncover layers of meaning through the sharing of questions, connections, and predictions. Let's begin by meeting our participants. Hi, my name is Belle, and I'm in grade two. Hi, my name is Miriam, and I'm in grade four. Hello, my name is Roy, and I'm from grade six. Our participants are excited to study with us today. We are in Parashat Tetzaveh, and in this parasha, Moses is going to receive instructions about the clothing worn by his brother Aharon, the high priest, Kohen Gadol, and Aharon's sons, who will be the Kohanim. There are a lot of detailed descriptions. We're going to focus on just one part of this very ornate costume. It will be in chapter 28. And we'll be looking at Psukim 31 all the way through 36. So chapter 28, verses 31 through 36. If you want to stop now, listeners, and read it over for yourself beforehand, you're welcome to do that. If, however, you want to do it as our participants are doing it, just coming to it fresh, you can listen in and be our partner. We're going to start with Roy, who's going to read for us, starting at Pasuk 31, and then I'll tell him to stop. Make the robe of the ephod completely out of greenish-blue wool. Its opening at the top shall be turned inward. Its opening shall have a border all around. This border shall be of woven work, like there is around the opening of a coat of armor, so that it will not be torn. On its lower hem you shall make pomegranates of greenish-blue wool, dark red wool, and crimson wool around its lower hem. There shall be gold bells between them all around. Okay, we're going to stop there. All right, Bell, begin. In the Joseph story, he got a present of a coat, which is basically the same thing as a cloak. Okay, so somehow you're saying Aharon, the Kohanim, are getting like a beautiful kutonet exactly like Joseph. So continue with the Joseph connections as we go along. Yes, Roy. So in this little excerpt, they mentioned the color blue, and I remember that the color blue is very rare and hard to find, and you need to get it from a type of snail, I believe. So the blue here, Kalil Techelet. So Techelet is that same color that is on the Petil Techelet of the Tzitzit, which is very rare, and you're saying they have to get it from a snail. So if you're going to make a whole outfit out of this, it's going to be a very expensive one. Yes, Go ahead, Mary. Where it says, make the robe of ephod completely out of greenish-blue wool, I feel like it's um, making the earth, the green part of the world, and the sea, the blue part of the world, come together to be united. Roy, you want to add to that? 
or you no. wanted to agree with it? I wanted to agree. Yeah. Okay, so that's a very uh, good point. Yes. So Miriam, you're saying there's something about this clothing that's to remind us of something out in the universe. And actually with the tzitzit, when it says techelet, it says it's like the color of the sky, that blue sky. So in some way, this uniform that the Kohen is wearing is to remind us about the world around us. Very beautiful. Yes, Roy. Also here, it says that Number 32, it says that this, this border shall be of woven work like there is around the opening of a coat of armor. And so this means that they want the coat that the Kohen wears to be like a coat of armor and it's very hard to break. I do not know why this is, but I found it pretty interesting. Yes, it's fascinating, Roy, because the Kohen is not going to be a fighter and yet Earlier on, they described this like breastplate, like the shield that is on the Kohen. So you seem to be, it seems to be implying that the Kohen is going to be fighting for something. But we know that the Kohanim are just going to be like taking in sacrifices and uh, speaking to God. Yes, Miriam. Um, on uh, Pasuk 33, it says, on its lower hem, you should make pomegranates of greenish blue wool. And then at the end of it, uh, it says, around its lower hem. Why does it say it twice? Beautiful. So there's going to be a little bit of repetition going on. And Miriam, we're going to try to do our best to focus in on everything that's repeated how many times. So you're saying in 33, on its lower hem, you shall make pomegranates, rimonate chelet. Here's that greenish blue wool again. And dark red wool, the argaman. And crimson wool, the tola atshani around its lower hem. So it repeats itself. On the lower hem, make these things on the lower hem. So we have to figure out why that's repeated yeah, there. And um, in Pasuk 33, at the beginning it says on, and um, at, uh, near the end it says around. It does say saviv at the end, and it says al at the beginning. So is it on or around? Since it's so unclear, I've printed out some pictures, some artist representations of these bells and pomegranates for us to look at. Uh, let's take a look at them. Listeners, if you want to look, you can find a link to these pictures in the notes to this episode. And Miriam, while we're studying the pictures, why don't you continue reading Pasuk 33 to help us find a few more details? On its lower hem, you shall make pomegranates of greenish blue wool, dark red wool, and crimson wool around its lower hem. There shall be gold bells between them, all around. A gold bell and a pomegranate. A gold bell and a pomegranate on the lower hem of the robe, all around. Stop right there. Bell. It repeated the same, the same sentence twice. Okay. Again. So again, we have a gold bell and a pomegranate. Pa'amon zahaverimon. Pa'amon zahaverimon. So there's something about that repetition. We're going to have to figure out why it does that. Yes, Miriam. In the picture, um, it kind of looks like the decoration on the Torah. Tell me more. Uh, like the Torah has bells on it, I'm pretty sure. And like woven decoration. Okay, so you're saying maybe this this clothing of the Kohen is going to make us think about the covering of the Torah. I, I think I know what you're talking about. I have seen like crowns on Torahs, and when they take it around, it has little bells that tinkle around. So which one comes from which one, and why would we want the Torah to remind us of a Kohen? That's interesting. Yes, Roy. We learned about this in, I think it was either third grade or fourth grade. Pomegranates were believed to symbolize the, the good deeds in, in the Torah or the things you need to do to 
to worship God. So the Kohanim are wearing these pomegranates, but they're not real pomegranates. They're woven out of wool. And that's supposed to remind us of all the mitzvot, of all the 613 mitzvot, because when you open up a pomegranate, it has as many seeds as there are commandments. Now, we're going to get one more interesting detail here about these pomegranates and bells. And this might be very confusing, but it might help us figure it out. So, Bell, read for us from Pasuk 35. It shall be on Aharon when he performs divine service. Its sound shall be heard when he comes into the holy sanctuary in the presence of Adonai. And when he comes out... So that he will not die. Oh, uh, you, yeah, you should see Miriam's eyes. She's confused now. He's going to wear it when he goes into this special place so he will not die. Yes, Miriam. When it says in Pasuk 32 um, about uh, how it will be like a coat of armor, a coat of armor's, uh, coats of armor protect you from not dying. So maybe this cloak is so, um, they were saying it was like a coat of armor armor because it protects him from not dying uh, mysteriously at, uh, when he comes out of the sanctuary. Beautiful. Except, Miriam, I'm noticing in Pasuk 35 it said, the sound shall be heard. So somehow those bells shall be heard so that he will not die. I do not know how bells are going to help him from dying, but I love your idea that the whole outfit is going to keep him from dying. It's like a suit of armor. Yes, Roy? I think that the bells are going to be like some kind of sound recognition, so God knows that it's the Kohen, like a fingerprint sensor, sort of. God senses the bells, and he knows not to kill the person who comes in. Oh, Roy, if you go in there without the right bells... Something bad is going to happen to you. Oh, I love it. Yes, Phil. Maybe he has to wear the coat so it's like a sign of respect to God. And if he doesn't, he's going to get killed because it's not being respectful. Excellent. So you got to look right. You got to sound right. Who knows? I might think you're a thief. I might just send a lightning bolt. Yes. I think God may be losing some of his power. So he needs to hear to see, sort of. Well... I have another thing on why the pomegranate. Maybe it's all, it's the three, well, there's five senses, but it may be smell, the, the sight, and the sound, because pomegranates smell fruity and good. Good, and it might actually include taste as well. So yeah. we have sound from the bells and the taste and the smell. We're getting the, the senses here. No, and yes. the feeling and the seeing of the cloak. And the cloak is visual. Okay, so we, we, if you don't have all five senses here, God is going... Now, I still think, Roy, it's a bit excessive for God to say, like, if you don't wear the bells and you don't wear the uniform, I'm going to kill you. I mean, God can't see who it's going to be. Or, or is the bell... I think maybe the bells and the pomegranates could be a reminder to Aharon to stay kosher and not to stray off the path from God. So the... Bells and the pomegranates could be for God, but they could also be for Aharon. Here's a sound. The sound is in your ears. And as you're walking, it's on your hem. So it's going, tling, 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 tling. And then Aharon looks down and sees the pomegranates, which say, remember the mitzvot. Don't stray when you go into the sanctuary. Yes, Miriam. Uh, something to add on that. Um, before, the, uh, after this, actually... Uh, we were studying it a few months ago that Aharon uh, and Miriam were spreading rumors about um, Moses marrying a Cushite woman 
and he's supposed to remember that he shouldn't do that, but then he doesn't uh, doesn't remember because later he does do that. Very interesting. So maybe he's not wearing his uniform at the time. But one time he is wearing his uniform is when Aharon goes into the sanctuary, the Kodesh HaKodashim on Yom Kippur. And he's going in to ask for forgiveness for the entire community. I imagine all of B'nai Israel waiting around the Mishkan, watching him go in, hoping, of course, that God will consider Aharon's apology. Yes. Yes, Bell. Well, I think the pomegranates maybe have mitzvot for the next year and don't do bad deeds from the last year. And also, I think the bells may help to get the attention of the people. How would it get the attention of... Why do the people's attention need to be? I think the bells may be a way for the people to know that Aharon is still alive because God is has a really high chance of killing you. You need to be really nice to God so he won't, you know, end your life. So the bells are for the people to know that Aharon is not dead. Okay, so the people are all waiting. Aharon goes in. He starts walking. We hear tingling, 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 And then we hear him inside and he's moving around. Tingling. And then we hear nothing. And that means? That he could be dead. Oh my gosh. Aharon just died. Now here's a question, Roy. Who's going in to get him? I think I heard about something before where they would have a rope attached to his leg. And if they don't, and if he's not alive, they would drag him out. So maybe the bells are a warning sign so the people know when to drag him out. But wouldn't that mean that Aharon would have to constantly move to... Our conversation about bells dead. and whistles or life and death and what this has to do with uniforms continued, but I wanted you to have a chance to talk maybe with a chevruta partner of your own. wanted to add some commentaries from our tradition that our students didn't touch upon. Nachmanides, writing in the 12th century, noted that the sound of the bells are supposed to announce the presence of Aharon so that he may be granted permission to enter before Adonai. For according to royal protocol, one who enters the king's palace unexpectedly is liable to death. This is connected to Purim, which is coming in just a few days. Esther, in her book Megillat Esther, tells Mordechai, all the king's courtiers and the people of the king's provinces know that if any person, man or woman, enters the king's presence without having been summoned, there is but one law for him, that he be put to death. So maybe our students were right. This does have something to do with the danger of coming in like a thief unannounced. But Rabbi Mordechai Gifter of Cleveland wrote recently that by wearing these bells, the Kohen Gadol produced a sound with even the slightest movement. And this can teach us that everything we do, even the seemingly insignificant mitzvot that we perform, they have an impact and repercussion, even up to the heavens. We must never underestimate the value and significance of any act, any mitzvah we perform. And we should therefore cherish the opportunity to perform every mitzvah that comes our way. I'm most interested in the Talmud, quoted by Rabbi Moshe Alshich in the 16th century. He notes that the bells and pomegranates were placed in alternating fashion, as my students noticed. A bell, a pomegranate, a bell, a pomegranate. But the way the Torah says it, it's that the bells were being placed 
between the pomegranates. It actually says a bell between two pomegranates. And here the Torah is trying to teach us, Rabbi Alshich tells us, that for every measure of speech, one should have two measures of silence. The Torah is thus emphasizing that each bell, each sound that a person makes, must be surrounded by two silent pomegranates. Seyag lechokmah shtika. Silence is the safeguard of wisdom. A person who is truly wise would remain silent so she can listen and learn rather than constantly speaking. And the Talmud adds to this that a tzedakah box containing just a single coin makes a lot of noise, but a full tzedakah box hardly makes any noise at all when you shake it. Those who make noise, who always talk, are usually the ones with very little in the box, with little wisdom. Those with a full box, with abundant wisdom and knowledge, they make little noise. They prefer remaining silent and listening to increase their knowledge and therefore spend more time silently listening than they do speaking. As Purim approaches, we hope you'll know when to make sound, we hope you'll know when to listen, and we hope that sometimes the silence surrounds the speaking. Join us again next week for a new parasha and three new scholars. We look forward to studying with you.